everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Go ahead, you can be honest. I certainly have. I will admit it. Have you ever thought about walking away from God or maybe just not taking Him as seriously because you were disappointed in Him? Well, let's talk about it in episode three of My Last 365. So this may be a little dangerous, but let me take a guess as to why you were disappointed with God. I bet you were disappointed with God because you were disappointed with your life or at least something in your life. You know, we all assume there's this direct relationship between life and God. In other words, when life is good, well, God's good too. But when life is bad, well, I hate to do this to you, God, but it's probably your fault. You know, and if life gets bad enough or painful enough, well, it's really easy to arrive at the conclusion that God must not be personal. He must not really care about me. He's got to be mad at me. After all, if God loved me, why would he let this happen to me? For those of you who are like me and maybe you were taught to believe in a personal God who's in control of everything, well, this gets even more challenging, doesn't it? Of course, you cannot help but assume that your life experiences, they're a reflection of God and how he feels about you. So it makes sense to put your frustrations about life on God. The question, though, is, is that fair? Is it fair to be disappointed with God when you're disappointed with life? We're a week away from celebrating Easter, but here's the thing. What we're celebrating, the events that happened at Easter, they were only needed because of one of the greatest human tragedies in history. At least it looked tragic to all the people who were living it, didn't it? The worst possible thing happened to the best possible person when Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. But Jesus wasn't the only life impacted that day. See, there was another man who had an up-close-and-personal seat to all the chaos, the cruelty, and all the agony that Jesus endured. We don't know his name, but we do know that his life had spiraled out of control to the point that he found himself in a Roman prison cell condemned to death. This guy was so violent, he was considered so worthless, that the Romans wouldn't even trust him to row in a Roman galley on a Roman ship. The only value they saw in his life was to use him as an example to show everybody else the futility of defying Roman power. So he'd be crucified. He was going to be crucified to send a message that nobody crosses Roman authority. I have no doubt this man knew exactly what his future held. He knew he was going to be tortured. He's going to be beaten. He was going to be nailed to a cross where he was going to be left to hang until he suffocated. And then after he died, they were going to take his body off that cross. They were going to throw it on a wagon. They were going to wheel it south of Jerusalem to the Valley of Gehenna where he was going to be tossed into a city trash dump and left for the animals to eat. That was his future. But this day turned out to have an unexpected surprise for him because he wasn't the only one crucified. He was crucified with two other people. And one of them happened to be Jesus, the rabbi from Galilee. And Luke, the same Luke who thoroughly investigated everything that happened that day and then recorded it for us in history, well, Luke in his account of Jesus' life tells us about this. He says two other men... Both criminals were also let out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Now, we just read through this sometimes, but 
pause for a minute because there is so much pain, there's so much torture, there's so much agony and noise and terror and violence and mourning packed into those short sentences. You see, the crucifixion, it didn't happen quickly. It took hours and hours, sometimes as long as two or three days for these people to die by crucifixion. Matthew, in his account, he tells us that the two criminals with Jesus, they did not go down quietly. They were hurling insults at the Romans while they hung on that cross. They were shouting at Jesus, insulting him. I mean, this was an angry, violent, disturbing scene. But in the middle of all the commotion, the man in the middle, the rabbi from Galilee, well, he uttered some words that had never been heard from a Roman cross before. Luke tells us that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now think about this. While the Roman soldiers split up everything Jesus owned, while they gambled to see who was going to take it all home, while there were people hurling insults at him, while the religious leaders were standing there mocking him, and while the men dying next to him were yelling at him, Jesus from the cross prays for them. But this did not move the people watching. Luke tells us that the people stood there watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, well, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and they mocked him. And Luke tells us they offered him some wine vinegar, which was some cheap soldier wine. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? And then Luke gives us this bit of information. He says there was a written notice above Jesus which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. This is what the criminal said. He looked at Jesus and he said, aren't you the Messiah? Well, why don't you just save yourself and us? And you know why there was so much hatred? Because there was so much disappointment. Jesus had claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God in human flesh, but Messiahs don't die. Messiahs don't end up crucified. So this criminal next to Jesus is screaming at him going, if you really are who you claim to be, well then do something about this and get you and me off of this cross. After all, if there's a good and loving God, this wouldn't be happening to us. But when they realized that Jesus wouldn't do what they want him to do, the soldiers and the criminal hanging next to him released their fury on him. They unleashed their anger. All pent up from their disappointment, they unleashed it all on Jesus. Because what was happening in that moment just confirmed in their minds that either God didn't exist at all, or if he did, he certainly wasn't personal. He certainly didn't care about them. Now here's the irony of the whole thing. If that criminal screaming at Jesus, if he had just paused and asked at any point, where's God? Well, the answer would have been, he's about 12 feet next to you. I mean, God had not abandoned them. God was actually right next to them, experiencing their pain with them. But Luke tells us while one of the criminals just kept screaming at Jesus, Suddenly the other one, as all of this plays out, becomes silent. Now we don't know exactly what caused it. Maybe it was the compassion that he saw Jesus show from the cross. Maybe it was the forgiveness he expressed. Maybe it was the love he displayed towards his enemies. But this criminal began to realize, wait a minute, I think I know who's hanging next to me. Luke tells us this is what happened. The other criminal rebuked the criminal screaming at Jesus. And he said to him, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? I mean, we're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man here in the middle between us, he's done nothing wrong. 
And it begins to dawn on this criminal, wait a minute. I think this man really is who he claims to be. I think this is the Messiah. And so he turns to Jesus while they're all hanging there, and he makes a statement that quite honestly I think was probably more of a question. Luke tells us, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Not because of what I've done, but in spite of what I've done. You know, I may have had a lot of disappointments in life. I may have created a lot of destruction in my life. But if God's still willing to know me personally, then I want a relationship with him. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. And I think, to his surprise, Jesus looked back and said, Truly I tell you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, here's the thing. That promise wasn't made because of what this criminal had done or what he had promised to do because promises to start doing things better or to stop doing things bad, they're worthless from a cross, aren't they? I mean, the only thing this guy could hope for as he hung on that cross was grace and mercy. But grace and mercy was exactly what he got. Jesus looks at him and he says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today we are beginning a personal relationship that will not end because how I feel about you is not reflected in what's happening to you. Think about it. In the worst moment of this criminal's life, Jesus is going, I have not abandoned you. I'm with you. I'm actually 12 feet beside you. Let me just pause right here because I think this is where it gets so personal for us. What if that is true for you too? What if life has broken you but God has not? What if life has disappointed you but God didn't? What if the mess you made, the regrets you carry, what if they haven't disqualified you from a personal relationship with God? That was the message Jesus shared hanging on a cross that day. And I find it fascinating that God chose to spend his last breaths inviting the most sinful of people into a relationship with him. That's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? So let me ask you, have you confused what life's thrown at you with how God feels about you? Have you drawn conclusions about God based on what you experienced or what those you love have experienced that maybe they're not true? See, over the last 365 days, we have all experienced some difficult moments and some dark moments. We've all found ourselves disappointed at times, haven't we? We're disappointed with life. We've been disappointed with what life threw our way. But here's what I know. My experiences, they do not equal God. Matter of fact, the truth that I have come back to over and over again in the middle of all the challenges and disappointments of this last year is simply this. Nothing matters more than a personal relationship with Jesus. Nothing, I mean nothing, matters more to me than knowing I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Nothing matters more than knowing I'm his child, he's my heavenly father, and there's no circumstance in life that will change that. Life can get as rough as it wants to get. I'm confident God's still with me. I'm confident God's still for me. And I am confident God is still by my side. And you know why I'm so confident in that? Well, the cross proved it. And the day I turned to Jesus and I said, I need your grace and mercy and forgiveness and love, we gave it to me just like he gave it to the criminal on the cross. I hope you know, or if you don't yet, I hope you will come to learn that life happens, but God can still be trusted. Life happens, but that does not diminish his love for you. Life happens, but he wants you to be personally connected to him if you'll invite him to. All you have to do is open your hands and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life. 
The minute you do that, you experience the life-changing, transforming grace and love that comes when you are in a personal relationship with Jesus. You'll experience the same thing the criminal on the cross experienced. So today, I want to ask you to do something that may be hard, but I'm telling you, I just think it's so worth it. Regardless of what you have or are experiencing in life, will you open up your hands? Will you surrender your life to Jesus in spite of what life may have thrown at you? Listen, Jesus has done everything he can to make a relationship with you possible. He willingly gave his life on a Roman cross, and then he walked out of a tomb three days later to prove to you that you could believe and trust everything he said. He paid for your forgiveness, your freedom, your adoption into God's family. So would you do what the criminal did that day? Would you be willing to surrender, take his gift? Nothing matters more than having that kind of personal relationship with Jesus. And if you will give him your trust in your life, I'm telling you, the confidence you will have that he is always with you and for you, that is going to change your life forever. So as we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity right now to let go of your disappointment, to let go of your anger, to let go of your resentment, to lay down your pride, and to choose to take the gift of forgiveness and freedom that Jesus died to offer you personally. So would you pray with me? If you're ready to do that, just tell God right where you are. God, I'm offering my life to you. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. So I'm surrendering me to you. And I'm asking you to do for me what you did for the criminal that day. I want a relationship with you that is personal. And I want to have the confidence that you're always with me from this point forward. Father, we're so grateful for the people who are doing that. We're so excited for them. We just want to celebrate with them in this moment. And we are so thankful to you that the creator of the universe, the one who is so great, at the same time, you want to be so personal to us. So thank you for showing up where we were and for showing us exactly who you are and how you feel about us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.